This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be on this lovely Sunday. Uh, at least lovely here in Los Angeles, and I understand in Florida, it's pretty lovely too. So, or at least at least the coasts are good. Who knows what's happening in the middle of the country now? Anyway, we're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here for the next 30 minutes with you on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Here for you, here for your pets. So uh, take advantage of us, of me, for sure. You can take advantage. Isn't that cool? Take advantage, of, and it's free. Just join us here. You can get, reach me the old-fashioned way via phone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also better reach me here live on Zoom. Join us in our Zoom meeting. Very easy to do. Click on shows. You go to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on shows. You follow, scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And then you just click on the link left to you there by our producer, Mark, and uh, you can join me here live. So if you have any questions about your pets, anything you want to talk about, now is the time to take advantage of it. It's Zoom. You're going to be on your phone. It's, it's you know, this is telemedicine at its finest. And again, it's uh, no charge to you. So uh, that makes it even better. So as you know, I like to peruse the news, what's going on in the industry, what's going on. And of course, what would a Sunday morning show here with you live during this hopefully tail end of the pandemic, but still going on, as I know they canceled the baseball game because a few of the players tested positive for COVID and uh, without a story about pets and COVID. So we got a couple for you here. First of all, two more lions uh, affected, infected with COVID. These are from the Pittsburgh Zoo. Interestingly, they feel that the infection probably was introduced by an an asymptomatic worker, one of the trainers at the zoo. And uh, so anyway, that unfortunately uh, happens. And then also, speaking of big cats, two tigers from the Virginia Zoo also tested positive, had mild respiratory infections, no big deal, and and are already already fine. And then this was interesting, that um, there's a dog and cat from Brazos County, Texas, that tested positive for the new strain. This is the strain that was discovered several weeks ago in the United Kingdom. They knew it was going to obviously come here, which it did. Um, it's called the B.1.1.7 uh, variant of SARS-CoV-2 virus. And um, anyway, affected a both a dog and a cat from the same household where the residents, the owners tested positive for this variant. I don't know much about the variant as far as the virulence for people, but for the dog and cat, it was like nothing. In fact, they had no clinical signs when they were tested. They did test positive. A little bit later, they developed some sneezing, which lasted a couple of days, and now they're fine again. So I don't know, maybe maybe it's a variant, but maybe it's not as tough. So you know, that would be pretty cool to have an easier one. But as we say, the saga continues. I know things are opening up. You know, again, for those of you out there that have been, in fact, there was this, there was a AHA Newstead had a little story about the curbside and how many veterinarians are doing curbside and doing it, in my opinion, terribly because they're not allowing. I mean, it's one thing to not come in. If you don't want to come in the office, well, maybe because of yourself or maybe someone in your household is immunosuppressed, you don't want to take any chances. That's fine. 
we have never not allowed people to come in the office. We know we do the precautions. They're in masks. They're doing the, 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 the social distancing. We have, we've limited how many people in a waiting room. It's a big waiting room at any one time. We change the flow so it's in and out. They come in the front door, check in, and they go, they go to the exam room, the exam room, and then they go out the back door. So it's, there's no one like crossing each other. But when I hear stories about what's going on in many hospitals, I, unfortunately, I say the majority of hospitals that are doing curbside, they're doing it where you, you pull up, you call on a phone, that's old fashioned, and um, you, right away, you, uh, a nurse or a technician comes out to take the pet, gives you paperwork to fill out, and then you are sitting in your car while the doctor's doing the exam, and you have no opportunity to actually interact with a doctor to find out what's going on, what is he or she looking for, what is he or she finding, what's the plan. Then this tech comes out, you know, a little freckle-faced kid who doesn't really know much at all, and uh, you start asking him questions. He's, I don't know, he's got to go inside back and ask the doctor. So then he goes, and now the doctor by now is already on the next patient. So as you can see, what's happening is you're going to be there for an hour, hour and a half, not get the information, not get any personalized attention, and uh, it's going to be very frustrating. So my advice is follow the millennials. The millennials were polled and basically 34% of them said that they would actually switch away from a vet that doesn't offer telemedicine for one that does. And if you're out there and you're getting that frustration that half hour appointment is taking an hour, hour and a half, you never really feel like you got the information you wanted, then maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to think about uh, switching or, or finding at least a vet that does curbside the right way. That's using a telemedicine platform. Uh, we do, you know, we'll do it on, obviously on my air vet, but there are a few out there that do this. And that way, while you're in the car, you are live time, real time engaged with your doctor and you're seeing your patient, your, your pet, on the exam table with the doctor, and it, the exchange is the exact same as it would be had you been standing in front of them, but now you're in your, in your car on your phone. But um, at least that way, there's interaction. You're asking questions. You're getting answers right away. You're developing a game plan together, and that is the most frustrating thing for me as a vet is when these, I hear about these doctors that are, this is what we're doing. But well, wait a second, well, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I can't afford it. I don't have the time. I, there's no such thing as a one size fits all when it comes to veterinary medicine. You've heard me say it a hundred times. And for those of you who are stuck in that, that scenario where you're not having the opportunity to really engage, then you are going to the wrong vet. And I could say that plainly, clearly, and I'll stand behind my words. Anyway, Another story, I want to get more from, if you want to think about getting an exotic pet, it doesn't have to be super exotic. Sometimes a pocket pet, a bunny, a guinea pig, just things off the beaten path, a sugar glider, reptile, birds. The recommendation is that you really need to do your homework before you get this pet. Yes, they're cute. I've had rats. I've had guinea pigs. I've had mice before. My little hamster, my little Russian dwarf, as you know, I've, who I've, you've, you've seen him when I brought him when he was living, but he was amazing and so much fun. But you need to learn the basics. You need to learn about their feeding, their routine, basic care, their habitat. Where, how are you going to keep them? Where are you going to keep them? What's the temperature? What do you need in the cage or the, or the enclosure? All these things are very important. The veterinary needs, what should you expect? What can you expect? So these are things that you should really know. Don't, it's a thing that they're great, especially, you know, certain of uh, these pets are good for kids, but you don't want to rush into it because you rush into it. It's only going to bite you in the behind. And you encountered a stray cat and you possibly touched that stray cat. You might, you need to know that there was a stray cat. I don't know which one it was, but anyway, it was tested positive for rabies. Now let's talk about that for one second in cats. Many states, in fact, I would think most states do require rabies for cats. In California, it's not, interestingly. I have many cats at home, uh, six to be exact. 
And they are all indoors and I do not vaccinate them for rabies. I do not vaccinate them for against feline leukemia virus because these two are viruses that require some sort of direct contact, sharing of body fluids, et cetera. And obviously my indoor cats, indoor only cats that are all negative, are not, I'm not worried about that. I have not yet invited a bat, a raccoon, another rabid animal into my home. So I'm kind of not worried. But if you have a cat, even in states that don't require rabies vaccines for cats, if you have a cat that does go in and out, you 100% want to get them vaccinated against rabies and feline leukemia virus. Very, very important. So uh, anyway, just again, you want to keep that in mind. Let's see what else we have. Oh, <laughs> this is a cute story. All right. I just want to know how many of you have dogs that are earning you money or have their own job? Yeah, I know. Of course, you're supporting them. Do they ever pay you back? So Here's the cute story. Here's the opportunity. So if you have a dog that either needs or wants a job, here is what you can do. Anheuser-Busch, all right, is offering a dog, one dog an annual salary of $20,000. That's way more than my dog makes. And free pet insurance. And what they need to do is they need to be the brewers, the breweries, chief tasting officer of their new dog brew brand of bone broth. It's an alcohol-free bone broth. The dog's duties are pretty straightforward. Obviously, they have to be taste testing, quality control. It's going to be a good one. And uh, they have to be carry out duties as a brand ambassador for the brand. And what does that include? Well, that includes, you have to very, have a very talented dog here, by the way, because it includes creating content for the company's social media channels. So your dog can't just be a good eater because I mean, I have a Labrador that would do too great because he eats anything. But I mean, he's got he's to gotta have to come up with some really good ideas for social media content. And I would not put, I would not even come remotely possible to ask this guy. If it involves food, he's a winner, but anything else, forget about it. He's impossible to train. He's just, he's, he's, but he's really cute. So if looks count, looks and eating, he's got the job. Anything beyond that, no way. But hey, it's a nice thing. And let's see what else we got here. Oh, okay. This, this is also, there's a, a little story. It talks about belly fat versus the primordial pouch. Now, do you guys know what a primordial pouch is? So the primordial, if you look at a cat, and I, maybe after the break, I'll grab one of mine to bring in here because I have both. I have cats that, well, have primordial pouches which is normal, natural. It serves a purpose. It stores the right amount of excess fat and energy, which they need. Believe it or not, it helps them chase and run. But there's a difference between that when you look at a cat, the only thing he has, that primordial pouch is if you look at a cat on the side, they have those like two loose things of like right in front of their back legs. And it's kind of jiggly and it's soft, but it's not fat per se. If you still look down on them from above, you could still see that indentation, that, that sleek body. Now, belly fat, on the other hand, they have a heck of a primordial pouch. It is actually thicker and much, much firmer to the touch. But when you look down at them, you basically have a rectangle, as I call it, a coffee table shape. It is just, there's no indentation. There's no uh, lean body mass. It is fat. And, um, you know, big chunk of fat, pardon the pun, but a big chunk of cats are obese in this country, more so, but over 50%. And it's just simply because eating too much and exercising too little. And as we know, try to get a cat to exercise. I mean, come on, you got to come up with something pretty creative to get a cat to exercise. Most people aren't putting their, you know, the harness on the cats and taking them for walks or runs in the neighborhood. So um, you got to come up with things. Anyway, I'm going to try to grab one of my cats at the break and uh, show you what a normal primordial pouch looks like. 
So don't go away. We'll be back after these short messages here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, we'll be right back. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EZPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And here we are back live. We're here with Dr. Jeff Werber, here with one of my many cats. This is Ollie. We also call Ollie. His nickname is Smalls because he is the smallest of my cats. And yeah, interestingly, he probably eats more than any of the others. He's got a metabolism. I mean, I was really worried about him. So I tested for thyroid. Totally normal. Everything is healthy. He just, man, he packs it away. But so he's, he's actually pretty lean. And if you can look here, I'll try to show you. He's skinny, but he's got a little bit of a waist. All right. But what he has on the side here, these right here are, I'm going to try to move my mic away for a second. This is the primordial pouch that we're talked about. And um, it's right here, this area here in the back, right by the back legs. Okay. And it's these little things when they walk, you see? And he doesn't like it. I know, I know, I know. So he's, he's, he never liked the camera. But uh, so anyway, it's something that they all have. I would say most cats have, but his is, uh, it's so obvious when he walks and we know when he moves back, they, they kind of shake back and forth, but that's normal. It's not fat. He's pretty lean actually. And I can feel his ribs. I can't see him, but I can feel him. And uh, he's really sweet. Say goodbye, kiddo. Come on. Bye everybody. All right. So what I wanted to talk about as we're approaching spring, and I'm and I realizing because I, I see with my patients, and, and it's the time of year that we kind of have to start thinking about this, and that is, this is where we need to start getting our pets that have not been on year-round preventatives. And I'm talking basic preventatives. I'm talking heartworm, of course, spring and summer. In some parts of the country, it's year-round, usually in the southeast, in the panhandle, Texas, Louisiana, the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia. A lot of these animals need to be on heartworm year-round because of mosquitoes year-round. In the northeast, they're mostly seasonal. In the west, it's kind of, we don't, we don't have a lot of mosquitoes anyway, but we're starting to see more and more mosquitoes. So, and in California, the one mosquito we're dealing with is one that is going to be, it is year-round. We just don't have high numbers yet, but we are, we're going to. So that too is, is one that we're going to go year-round on heartworm prevention. But you need to talk to your veterinarian. Now, if you have a young animal, five months of age or less, you could just start them in a heartworm medication. But if you have an animal older than that, even if they've been on heartworm medicine continually, 
it would behoove you to test anyway, at least you know, maybe once a year, maybe every spring test. And if everything is good, then you can go on and continue your heartworm prevention. One of the reasons also for that is many of the companies that put out the heartworm products will guarantee their product. Again, you could check with your vet, you could check with the companies, but if you can prove that they were heartworm negative via test, and they still end up getting heartworm, it's, it's very expensive to treat. They will actually pay for your treatment. So it's a good idea to be able to prove that your pet was heartworm negative at least every year. Ticks, ticks also, we're seeing a lot of ticks. They seem to thrive many parts of the country. They're gonna thrive year round, but they may be year round, but the pets aren't year round, especially if it's really cold, you're not taking them out to the woods. And so it's okay that if, if many of you may not be using tick products year round, but 100% you need to. If you're in the Northeast where Lyme disease is a problem because the deer tick, and it's not just the deer tick, Lyme disease is carried by many other ticks as well. So then you also have other diseases. A lot of the rickettsial diseases are problems. Rocky Mountain spotted fever for one, um, anaplasmosis or lichiosis. So these are all tick-borne diseases. We call ticks vectors because they can carry the disease. And interestingly, and be cautious, you know, cautiously, many of these diseases affect us as well. So you can get a tick bite that could cause a problem for you with these diseases. And they are prevalent. I know when I went down to Mexico, working with those dogs, those shelter dogs, and, and doing the space neuters and fixing them, I will tell you that the vast majority of them were ehrlichia positive, and many had anaplasmosis also. So again, this is something you want to really protect your dogs. You're going to feel like an idiot when you had such an easy opportunity. There are great products out there that are flea and tick products. The products with isoxazolines, for example, are all very effective. Some of the older products out there, and I don't want to mention names of product, I will mention the chemical names, imidacloprid and fipronil. These are very safe, but they're not as effective as they used to be. Why? Because after all these, they've been on the market for close to, I don't know, almost 20 years, 18 years, whatever it is, the fleas and the ticks have developed resistance. So they are still, they're readily available. They're available over the counter. There are now many generic versions of these as well. All that's good and reasonably priced. The problem is they, we don't have the same efficacy as we used to. And by the way, they were the cat's meow. They were the best products out there years and years ago. And just now they're just not as effective. So you want to talk to your veterinarian about some of the newer products out there that can be helpful controlling these parasites. And then a lot of the other stuff I talk about is usually what we call um, lifestyle. So in every location, depending on what's reasonable and what's prevalent in your area, your doctor is going to talk to you about what we call core vaccines, things that, that are needed, especially now uh, we want to add on this year. And also keep one thing in mind that during spring and summer, as especially now with hopefully things easing up with our COVID restrictions, many of you might travel. So it's not just what you would do for your area. It's if you're going to go someplace, if you're going to take a dog back east, for example, and Lyme is a problem there, but you don't have a problem where you are, but you're going to want to vaccinate because you need the protection. Same thing with heartworm, same thing with flea tick, everything. Just because your lifestyle here might mean one thing, it's some, it might be different someplace else. Another parasite that we see that may or may not be an issue for everybody but it's very lifestyle, two of them in particular that I recommend for my clients. Number one, rattlesnake. Number two, leptospirosis. Now, some people, some veterinarians do the lepto vaccine for everybody. I am not a fan um, only because for me, uh, when it comes to vaccines, as you know, I've talked about this often, less is more. And I don't want to vaccinate against something where there's no way the pet's going to be exposed, which is why, as I mentioned earlier, I don't vaccinate my own cats for leukemia and rabies because they're not going to get it. 
and I don't want to throw another vaccine at them. It's not necessarily the vaccine. Immunologically, they can handle all the vaccines. I'm more concerned about any vaccine reaction based on the adjuvant, based on the preservative, other aspects that go into the manufacture of a vaccine, which animals can be sensitive to. As a matter of fact, I think I told you the story of these two dogs that I did surgery, and now it's coming up on two weeks. It was a week and a half ago. These huge, huge tumors on their side. I never thought I would ever see one like it. And all of a sudden, I ended up seeing a second one like it. And it was just amazing. One of the things that came to mind when I was talking to a surgeon about this was the possibility that this may have been related to vaccines. They were huge. And um, they turned out to be a what we call a soft tissue sarcoma, probably a spindle cell tumor, according to the pathologist. So, and I was mentioning this to one a surgeon that I am familiar with, and I and does a lot of uh, heavy duty surgery for me. And he says, you know, the fact that they're both in that flank, which is where we often give vaccines. He said, I, I wonder you should try to find out again. They different clients. The, the first big, the big dog, as I mentioned, I met on our next door app. She was just reaching out to anybody for help to help her make a decision. What do I do with this 13-year-old dog that has this terrible tumor? And you know, she was told all sorts of things and, and the place that she was quoted. The dog also had a thyroid tumor, adenocarcinoma of the thyroid. Just for the mass, just for the mass itself at the specialty clinic, she was quoted $7,000. Now, that is very excessive in my opinion because I'm just a GP, a regular old GP, and I was able to do the mass and the thyroid carcinoma. Thyroid surgery is way more technically difficult than the big mass, and they're both you know, a challenge. I was in the surgery with that dog for two and a half hours, but the bill was 4500 bucks. So, I mean, almost half for two surgeries. It's crazy what these, some of these places want. Anyway, and the little guy also needed to be neutered. And so it would be great to be able to find out what vaccine they used, what lot number, but it is too bizarre. It really is that uh, these two dogs had that kind of tumor at the same time. Anyway, good news is they're both doing great. The owners have come in. I uh, take stitches out this coming Wednesday. They look great. I've seen them both. And um, I'm thrilled. The owners are thrilled. The dogs, their old dog, can you imagine walking around with that huge thing on your side? It's like the size of a bowling ball. And now it's like a new dog. So when you have an opportunity to help a dog like that, I got to tell you, from my perspective, it feels great. And I'm thrilled. So anyway, any questions you may have, send them to me, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And I'm here every Sunday morning, 9 to noon, depending on where you are, 9 in west and noon in the east. And um, if you want to get some personalized attention, you can always talk to your veterinarian about AirVet or any telemedicine platform for that matter. But make sure they're using a telemedicine platform that allows you to interact well and conveniently and 24 hours a day. So um, hope everybody has a great week. And we will be here at the same time, same channel next week here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.